Hello, and welcome to another installment of The Weird Chronicles. Each episode, we bring you tales of action and adventure from Malifaux and the other side. Dr. Douglas McMorning began his career as a coroner, performing autopsies for the Guild. But the good doctor's fascination with death is more than just professional. I hope you enjoy part one of Formaldehyde Nights. Formaldehyde Nights by Graham Stevenson It was really fascinating stuff. McMorning wound up the contraption like a toddler awaiting another jack-in-the-box explosion. It didn't look like much to the casual observer, a compact wooden box that was somewhere between a birdhouse and a faceless carriage clock. The brass winding handle on the back was the only real indicator that it was neither. It made a sound rather like grinding coffee as the handle revolved. When he had wound it enough, McMorning placed it back on the bench and lifted the trailing rubber tube that spooled from the box's base like the tail of a wooden mouse. The far end of the wire ended in a small copper loop, and it was on this innocuous shape that the coroner's attention was now fixed. There was a corpse lying on the slab. This assumption was an easy one to reach, not only through the pallor of said unfortunate, but also the fact that the top of his skull sat upturned to one side like a grisly bowl, and his naked brain lay revealed for all to see. McMorning had inserted a handful of long glinting needles deep into the wrinkled grey organ. He touched the copper circle to the end of the nearest needle. There was a crackle, and the guild coroner's spiky hair became perhaps a fraction yet more erratic. As impressive a feat as this was, the box held further marvels. The corpse's left eyelid and upper left lip began to flutter rapidly. McMorning giggled at the faint smacking of cold flesh and momentarily reminisced on the halcyon days of his childhood when he and little Waldo Tuckett would hook fish out of the creek and bludgeon them with a club. He touched another needle. The corpse's right calf muscle and boot began to jitter thumping and drumming against the slab. The next needle made the fingers of the corpse's left hand tick, tapping nails against the marble. The next caused the muscles at the base of the spine to convulse, and the entire body jackknifed, slumping back down to earth with all the grace of a 140 pounds of meat. The heavy thud invoked another of the doctor's fond memories, this time of hooking little Waldo Tuckett out of the creek and bludgeoning him with a club, of course, it had started as a serious scientific exercise. An electrical discharge into the correct nerve cluster was the ideal tool to map the motor functions of the human brain. Having a detailed blueprint of these pathways would give the good doctor license to reach a new plateau of reanimation, to fine-tune his creations with grace and poise, and perhaps one day to reach a level of skill so profound that it would rival genuine life. At least that was until he inadvertently touched two needles at the same time, and the corpse farted loudly before executing a passable Louisiana two-step. McMorning was lost. He spent the next hour moving a peanut around the corpse's face, using only twitching muscles while giggling hysterically. 
When the peanut shot up a nostril after a violent lip curl, he managed to rearrange the needles so that the corpse could play the purple hills of Gilderland on three fingers and one heel. This was followed by a medley of the barmaid's apple catchers, blow that bugle, Captain Deer, and can't you tell I'm smiling. The first pale fingers of dawn were touching the frosted mortuary window by the time McMorning had successfully manoeuvred the corpse into unwrapping a cigarillo, placing it in the doctor's mouth, and lighting it with a struck match. It was the most fun he'd had in ages. If only he'd had one as a child. Sebastian finally ruined the moment, as he often did, by coming in and standing morosely nearby. There was a forlorn quality about his faithful morgue assistant that drained the sense of fun out of any occasion. It was like being charged with an ill puppy, albeit a sociopathic 300-pound puppy, devoid of any sense of pain or morality. Well? McMorning snapped irritably. Sebastian waited. One might think you never wanted me to get any enjoyment out of life, Sebastian. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy, you know. Sebastian waited. McMorning sighed. Guild business, is it? Well, I suppose it's overdue. One can't expect much time for intellectual pursuits when there's menial labor to be done. Heaven forbid I should take an hour or two out of my endless day carving up the idiotic denizens of this city, who haven't sense of self-preservation enough not to step out in front of a speeding carriage or eat a six-week-old lamb chop to try and aspire towards something actually worthwhile. Sebastian waited. I mean, the coroner continued, by rights I shouldn't even be here. My contractual obligation to the city ends at 6pm sharp, and it must be after 10 o'clock at the very least. How they think they can get me to work at this late hour is beyond me. He folded his arms petulantly, and at roughly the same time, he noticed daylight streaming through the mortuary window. He promptly unfolded them again. Oh, I say, is it morning already? Sebastian waited. The time is irrelevant anyway. McMorning scoffed. I am merely a humble employee. What could I have done to warrant their concern? He leaned against a dissection slab, behind which was piled half a dozen semi-dismembered guardsmen. Sebastian waited. What? These? McMorning looked down at the jumble of body parts, astonished that anyone could care. Dogs' bodies and work dodgers? Well, it's not like they were doing anything worthwhile, is it? Sebastian waited. Fine. The doctor sighed, clearly put out. I should have known to expect apoplexy from an organization that bemoans the appropriation of a few surplus mouth breathers. Who is it? One of the staffing clerks? A departmental supervisor, perhaps? Sebastian waited. McMorning groaned. It's not a guild captain, is it? Sebastian waited. The coroner groaned again. It is, isn't it? It's a bloody guild captain. I might have known. He began picking up errant body parts and stuffing them into a bag. You'd think he'd have something better to do with his day than chase up this sort of thing. What will we have next? The governor's secretary looking for a missing pencil? After shoving a few more limbs into the bag, McMorning realised it was going to take a bit more effort to disguise his extracurricular activities. He dropped the bag and instead hauled a tarpaulin over the whole pile, bodies, slab, contraption and all. That'll do, he mused, at least until I can get a moment's peace to get rid of the bits. Sebastian waited. 
Well, don't just stand there gawping. McMorning barked. Bring him in. Sebastian left. And not by the scruff of the neck like last time. The doctor shouted after the huge shape as it moved through the anteroom to the hallway beyond. A little decorum, if you please. I am, after all, a professional. He smoothed down his hair, which proved to be a futile gesture, and waited, standing slightly self-consciously beside the irregular tarpaulin-covered hump. A short, stout fellow wearing a guardsman's outfit with captain's pips and cap strode briskly into the mortuary, trailed by the despondent Sebastian. Dr. McMorning, the captain gushed, snatching the coroner's hand and shaking it vigorously before realising the doctor's gloves were smeared with gore and brain matter. His small eyes darted this way and that for something to wipe his wet palm on before discreetly tucking it behind his back and twitching his neat moustache. And you are? The doctor inquired, folding his long rubberized fingers against his apron. Guild Captain Reginald Feckler, 18th Quadrant, said the captain, looking around at his mortuary surroundings and taking in the steel gurneys with their toe-tagged passengers, the wall of formaldehyde jars and tubing, glinting steel tools, and untidy piles of death certificates and related mortuary academia. Dreadful business, eh? McMorning was quite put out. I beg your pardon? Eh? Feckler looked startled. Oh, heavens no, not you. Sterling work you're doing here for the Guild. I mean, the disappearances. McMorning spread his narrow frame slightly to block the irregular mound behind him. Disappearances? He inquired innocently. You mean you haven't heard? Good Lord, Doctor, don't they ever let you out of here? Feckler exclaimed. It's all over the building. Six men. Six, mind you. Vanished. Oh, really? McMorning attempted to feign surprise. Without a trace, the captain continued. Six men in three nights. Astonishing, really. All of them on guard duty. All of them vanishing while on patrol. And most astonishing, all of them assigned to guard the morgue level. Queer, eh? I'll say, McMorning said, noticing that dead fingers were poking out under the tarpaulin edge. Yes, quite the mystery, Captain Feckler said. Quite, the doctor agreed. Have you any leads? Well, this is the cunning bit, the captain said, absentmindedly stroking his moustache and getting bits of brain in it. I'm mobilizing an entire detachment of guardsmen. We're going to search the building from top to toe. Leave no stone unturned, as it were. If there's so much as a shred of evidence, my men will find it. Oh, I don't doubt it, nodded McMorning, using a toe to gently push the fingers back out of sight. And when does this sleuthing start? First thing tomorrow morning, the captain said. I see. Which reminds me, don't suppose you've seen anything unusual in the last few days? Unusual? McMorning cocked an eyebrow. Funny noises, strange folk hanging around, that sort of thing. The captain elaborated. Thought you might have noticed something out of the ordinary, seeing as the chaps all went missing in your neck of the woods. Afraid not, the doctor apologized. Nothing to report here. In fact, you might say it's been quiet as the grave. 
the captain guffawed, blowing a spot of brain from his moustache onto McMorning's apron. Oh, yes, very good. The doctor flashed him a huge wolfish smile. Although I do confess that being so isolated down here, my manners can get a little stiff. Captain Feckler slapped his thigh. I say, Dr. McMorning, you're quite the card. Well, I have a captive audience on which to sharpen my wit, the doctor said, and I always knock him dead. The captain roared with laughter this time. Excellent fellow, he spouted. Well, <laughs> must be off and all that. Two hundred men won't organize themselves. Yes, well, good luck with that. As soon as the captain had left, McMorning ripped off the tarpaulin and looked down at the mountain of dead flesh with concern. There's no way we can smuggle that lot out with the hornet's nest being stirred up by that buffoon Feckler, he said. Sebastian stood at his shoulder, his soft and slightly uneven eyes on the mound of dead men. Jump in at any time, McMorning snapped sarcastically as the silence grew. No, really, I'm all ears for any cunning plan you might wish to share that'd get us out of this mess. Sebastian looked at him. Of course, I hold you responsible. The doctor continued. You should have considered all eventualities of your actions, Sebastian. You will recall, I'm sure, that the exact words I used were, I'm bored, bring me something to play with. I never said anything about guardsmen. Sebastian looked at him. No, no, you don't, McMorning warned him. Those big puppy dog eyes don't hold any currency with me these days. You can't wriggle your way out of this one. Sebastian looked at him. Finally, the doctor sighed and grinned ruefully. You sly dog. You always know how to twist your Uncle McMorning round your little finger. Very well. You are forgiven. Sebastian looked at him. McMorning threw a long, comradely arm around the silent assistant's shoulder and leaned close. I've had an idea, he said. Here's what we're going to do. It was fully dark before McMorning was willing to risk it, and even then he thought their odds were 50-50 at best. He was hovering in the doorway that led out to the mortuary courtyard, clad in a huge overcoat and wide-brimmed hat. He wasn't entirely sure why he was wearing such a clandestine outfit, but it had seemed to suit the flavour of their desperate endeavour. A few minutes ago, a squad of guardsmen had been lashed across the courtyard by the tongue of their barking sergeant, but now it looked all clear. McMorning reached back over his shoulder and made a beckoning gesture. On cue, six guardsmen moved out of the darkness, tramping noisily and in perfect, albeit rather stiff, synchronisation. They stopped just outside the door, swaying slightly. Sebastian emerged behind them, still in his stained lab coat, his attention fixed on something held in his huge hands. It was a dark and cloudy night, which had been a godsend as far as McMorning was concerned. The less light, the better. He had done what he could, but it had been a rush job to get six bodies reassembled and reanimated in ten hours. Everyone had two arms and two legs, although he wouldn't have put any money on the fact that they all had their own arms and legs. The uniforms were in poor condition too. He'd cleaned them up and sewn them back together, but it was under no illusion that they'd withstand anything more than a half-hearted inspection. 
Such slapdash and hurried reanimation normally only produced the lowest form of sentience. Barely mobile zombies did not make good guardsmen, no matter what the steamfitters' union said. He'd solved that problem too, in a manner of speaking. A cluster of copper wires snaked from under the cap of each dead guardsman, twinning together into a leash that fed up to the wooden box in Sebastian's grasp. The contraption's electrical current had proven strong enough to override the zombie's inherent and rather sloppy motor control, but as with the uniforms, the doctor would prefer not to have to put that to the test. At least this way, he could be sure they wouldn't attack the first living guardsman they saw. Not that McMorning generally considered this a problem, but it would make the current task more difficult. He'd only had time to place needles in a few brain areas, but with luck, that would be all they needed. Right, it's clear, he whispered. Let's go. He went down the stairs and started across the courtyard. Sebastian looked down again at the contraption, into which a number of carpentry nails had been driven, each with copper wires wound around its base. He began touching the copper loop to alternate nail heads that had March Left and March Right scrawled beside them in the Doctor's spidery script. Immediately, the slouching zombies stiffened and began to jerk forward like puppets, alternate arms and legs pumping in rigid concert while the contraption buzzed. They tramped across the dark courtyard in a fair approximation of living men. McMorning hadn't had sufficient time to reattach all the wrist tendons and muscles, so each zombie guardsman had his rifle lashed to his hands with string and the weapons swung loosely back and forth as they marched, looking more like majorettes than soldiers. At the far end of the courtyard, McMorning slowed. The stone walls yielded into a huge archway that led onto the street beyond. The archway's wrought iron gates were open, but there were four guardsmen standing casually around a sentry box on the left-hand side, smoking and chatting in the cold evening air. The doctor sidled up to his morgue assistant as the zombies marched up and stopped a short distance from the archway. Right, here we go, he muttered. Just keep them moving, Sebastian. I'll do the talking. Obediently, his orderly bent his head to the contraption and its cluster of shiny screw heads. McMorning hurried out in front of the dead guardsman and through the gate. Good evening, gentlemen, he cried loudly, hoping to draw their attention away from the rather shambolic squad marching up from the rear. The guardsmen jumped as if shot and threw down their cigarette butts, scrambling for their weapons and trying to achieve some semblance of being attentive sentries. Fear not, the doctor said. It's only me. When they saw it wasn't a superior officer, the guardsmen relaxed. Dr. McMorning? One of them asked, trying to peer under the wide-brimmed hat. What are you doing out here, sir? I'm just borrowing a few of your uh, associates, the doctor fumbled, to, to help me with some, uh, with some heavy lab equipment. Well, we can help, sir, the guardsman said, resting his rifle against the sentry box. No! McMorning snapped, rather more urgently than he intended. No, you need to stay here, to, to keep the gate guarded. No, it is all under control. You boys just stay where you are. Well, if you're sure, sir. Oh, yes. The coroner nodded emphatically. Oh, yes, quite sure. He could hear the tramping zombies behind him, 
They had reached the archway, and none of the sentries had given them more than a passing glance. McMorning felt a triumphant grin approaching. They were going to get away with it. What's going on here? A brisk voice asked. The sentries immediately snapped to attention, rifles at their shoulders, eyes staring straight ahead. McMorning wheeled around to find the black beady eyes and shivering moustache of Captain Feckler at his shoulder. Fortunately, Sebastian had already seen him emerge from the far side of the archway and had found the nailhead marked attention. The zombie guardsmen went straight as pokers, humming like taut cables as the electrical current shot through them. Good evening, Captain, McMorning said, touching the brim of his floppy hat. McMorning, that's you under there. What the devil are you doing out here at this hour? Well, the doctor started. I... The short guild captain noticed the six motionless shapes standing like iron poles under the shadow of the archway. I say, he said, fine body of men you have there, McMorning. Are those my boys? In a manner of speaking, the doctor said. By some stroke of a sympathetic fate, the zombie guardsmen had stopped directly under the archway, and the street gaslights left them as black outlines against the courtyard stones. Six armed men and one doctor in a trench coat sneaking around the mortuary courtyard in the dead of night, said Feckler, stroking his moustache. What to make of that, eh? McMorning raised a finger. I can explain. Initiative, that's what, the captain interrupted. Initiative. Well, precisely, finished McMorning, confused. Want to muck in and help find the culprit, eh, McMorning? Beckler chuckled, rocking back on his heels. I like the cut of your jib, sir. The diminutive captain waved his swagger stick at the sentries, dismissing them back to their post, then stepped up alongside the coroner. I was just on my way home, but now that I see your plan, I'm rather inclined to come along, he said. Be good sport to see if we can turn up that villainy, get in ahead of the pack, as it were. Oh, McMorning said, feeling his heart sink. Yes, fine sport. Jolly good, the captain glanced around. So what was the plan, a patrol around the perimeter? Something like that. Right then, let's be at it. The captain strode off along the outer wall of the mortuary, barking after him. Come on, you men. McMorning watched helplessly as Sebastian steered the half-dozen marching zombies through the archway and after the guild captain. It was going to be a long night. That's it for another episode of The Weird Chronicles. Join us next time for more tales of action and adventure.